you are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Settled, nice and sleepy like we always are in the afternoon. So, Alison's <laughs> going to wake you up with a very informative presentation. I hope so, thank you. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of audience participation because it's after lunch and we're all a bit sort of. <sighs> so, um, I come to you, I live in Glasgow, but I'm based in Paisley. So, can I ask any of you, anyone aware of the Paisley pattern? Hands up. Quite a few. Anybody ever been to Paisley the town? Ah, interesting, right? Okay, for the benefit of camera, if there is, yes, there is, there, I see you. Um, roughly even split there, which is good. So I'm going to talk to you about Paisley um, because that's where I'm based. My PhD is on cultural planning and I'm based at the University of West of Scotland. So I'm looking into participation in heritage and cultural heritage and also um, cultural mapping, so mapping out that heritage. So these are the kind of things I'm going to talk about in 15 minutes or so. Um, looking at how we can describe types of hidden heritage. So we were invited at this conference to think about what hidden heritage is, what it means for us, and what it means for people we deal with, or what people think of as being hidden heritage. So I'll give you a few ideas about my interpretation of that. Um, a little bit about regeneration strategies because a lot of the delegates have talked about um, the links between culture and policy and how heritage might be viewed in statistical ways and that sort of thing. So I'll talk a little bit about that and also about how that works in Renfrewshire. Um, and I'll talk about digital storytelling because I'm absolutely passionate about using social media and video and audio for getting the message further out than just us. Um, so I'm fascinated today to see so many people tweeting <coughs> as well um, because I think it's nice to get the message beyond um, usual means of p academic papers. I am an academic but I worked in local government, I've worked in uh, academia as well so I'm very aware of the little worlds that that lives in and I love going no, I think we'll break all those boundaries and we'll talk about things in lots of different ways. So, so that's kind of my approach. So digital storytelling is a means of using heritage, uh, using social media and things that we have in our pocket, like some of us have phones, to um, basically talk about heritage. So it spreads a message slightly wider than those of us just sitting, talking here. Um, so, unseen heritage. On this site, September the 5th, 1782, nothing happened. I absolutely love that. I, it was on a private house in Greenock, of all places, um, which is not the most... Uh, it was just on an ordinary tenement. It wasn't even on a sort of historic building. I just thought it was quite funny, and I thought, yeah, I'm going to keep that and use it in a presentation because it's good. Um, so, so some things say nothing happened, but I'm sure something did. <laughs> um, 
There's lots of unseen heritage, and some of it might be lost or demolished. So things that we've talked about, um, the Bristol example where things have been moved to lots of different places, buildings or structures that have been moved. Um, is it perhaps archaeology, underground archaeology, maybe buried um, somewhere that we can only see when there's a special exhibit and you can lift up the tarpaulin and have a wee nosy as a member of the public or read it in a big report? Um, it could be behind closed doors. So more audience participation. Who goes to Heritage Open Days here? <laughs> yes, quite a few people. I love Heritage Open Days, and I think one of the reasons that I got into Heritage in the first place is because I'm really nosy, and I love going to visit things that you can't normally visit. So Heritage Open Days, um, Doors Open Days as they are in Scotland, fantastic initiative. So lots of the things that we have as buildings and heritage all around us, quite often we only see them half a day a year. So it's quite interesting for initiatives like that that exist to get people talking about heritage. Um, some things are held in storage and maybe owned by private collectors, so they're not seen. Um, or they're not viewable, so they're under the ground. They, are, they could be something that's maybe examples, um, well, a bit like the, the marks we were talking about before with, on roofs and things. Unless you knew they were there or unless you were given special access, you wouldn't necessarily see them. So that's quite an interesting one to think about. What area, what sort of unseen heritage have you got where you live or where you work or where you volunteer? Um, but a big part of unseen heritage is intangible heritage. So intangible heritage is stories. And I love stories and I think we all like telling stories. So um, intangible heritage is a huge part of hidden heritage, I feel. Um, it's not really that recognised in sort of UK government policy as such, but it's a big European thing. It is in um, UNESCO documents. There's whole charters about intangible heritage if you're interested, have a nosy. Um, but there are things which um, you can do to make heritage more known. So unknown heritage, we might have overlooked or misunderstood heritage. So the meaning <coughs> of heritage might change over time. We looked at how certain buildings earlier on, um, one of the talks was talking about how um, buildings change over time and how political influence is something that influences how we actually see heritage, how we get, how we're allowed to, because it's the policy. So the politics, there's a lot of misunderstood heritage out there, which everyone sort of puts their own little spin on, really. Um, songs and poems can be um, something that's, that's part of hidden heritage. There can be a lot of uh, local heritage which is sort of embodied in local songs and heritage, local songs, books, um, poetry. Um, which perhaps <coughs> might only be known by people that live in that area or may only be understood by people that live in that area. I'm not from Paisley, so I guess if I read you a poem by Robert Tannehill, I probably couldn't pronounce it properly. I'm originally from the northeast of England. Uh, I could probably recite various bits of Geordie things, but I guess I couldn't understand Dorset dialect that well either. So it's quite amusing to me to hear the unknown aspects of, of heritage as it is among different areas. There's also stuff that's undervalued. Um, Smiley Day. 
It's actually a Hugh Smiley Day nursery, it says, but every time I walk past it on the campus at the university, it makes me smile because I think, oh, Smiley Day. I know it's not spelt like Smiley Day, but it makes me smile. But I'm probably the only person that sees it because <laughs> I'm like that because I stare at buildings. That's what I do. So it's a, some buildings, some heritage can be hidden because it's undervalued. Um, it can be seen as not fashionable or not um, accessible by certain groups um, and it can also be something that's maybe taken for granted. It's just part of the wallpaper of the town. You walk past it every day, you don't really give it a second thought. So undervalued heritage is also part of hidden heritage in my opinion. Um, then there's the untold heritage, as I mentioned, about um, people knowing a lot of people know a very lot about certain things and are really expert in that field, but unless they actually write it, publish it, or record it in some way, it's maybe lost. Um, so things that are not documented that people know, that's why I'm so keen on volunteer type work and the work that was discussed about the heritage, I can't remember the term now, the amateur, remind me what it was, amateur um, experts or something. I like the term, I can't remember what it was now. Um, the, the study that was looking at that. Things that are not written down, not documented, or are basically told through the way that um, you would, you know, you just pass on knowledge by word of mouth. So that's another way that heritage can be, un, un, uh, can be hidden. So thinking about that, how do we reveal this heritage? How do we get around that? Well, if it's unseen, we can look at the opposite, which is see it. So, exhibit things, open things up for example, doors open day or heritage open days, document it, interpret it. So a few of the projects that you've all been talking about this morning, we've been talking about, might have done that. Um, unknown heritage, um, this is one of the things that my PhD project involves about mapping and researching things that um, things that explain what, what goes on in an area because until it gets mapped, nobody knows. So there's loads of stuff going on all over the place. But unless you put it in one place, people don't know. So part of my project is to do that um, for the particular area that I'm working in. Undervalued hidden heritage well, we want to try and value it. We're looking at the opposite. So how do we understand it? How do we celebrate it? How do we respect it? Things like marking significant anniversaries, marking um, celebrations of events that have happened, not necessarily in the built heritage, but events that are happening around um, the history and heritage of the towns or places where we live. And then finally, there's untold heritage. Well, we tell it. So hopefully, me telling you a little bit about Paisley will help um, share some of that. So I'm thinking about the opposite of something being untold. Let's record it, let's share it, let's mark it. Um, I did a bit of academic reading regarding that and there's lots of discussion, like we have been talking about, who are the community? Who are we actually talking about when we're talking about working with the community? Who is that? My interpretation of that might be different from the community's version of that. So it's really interesting to kind of explore that and see what comes out of it. Um, so in the context of Renfrewshire, what I'm doing is um, looking at a cultural planning approach to uh, explore 
hidden heritage. They have a strategy which is called Paisley the Untold Story, and that story is designed, that, that document is designed to explore the built heritage of Paisley. The project that I'm doing is, is the whole of Renfrewshire, so like the whole of area, the area rather than just the town. So it's like um, sort of Dorset rather than Dorchester, I suppose. Um, it's a big area. But there's tons of things going on and they're not mapped. So part of my project is looking at that. It's putting dots on maps. Dots on maps are a great visual thing. People like maps and they like dots to show things. So part of my project is going to be looking at that and working with community groups to do artistic things around regeneration and cultural heritage. Um, there's a lot of different things happening in different areas around the town, so we want to try and make things work. Um, has this got a pointy thing? This, you can't really see it. Might need to, can you put the light off for a second? Can anyone guess what that is? Is it too small for me from the back? Sorry. <laughs> it's here. It is a walrus, yes. There's a cast iron walrus fountain in Paisley, which is just mad. It's like full size walrus. That kind of thing is hidden heritage because no one knows about it except the people that live around it. And it's a crazy thing. Imagine being able to take, you know, everyone loves selfies these days. Selfie with walrus, full, full size. <laughs> There's a lot going on um, around the town and a lot of buildings to go and explore, um, which sort of help you explore an area by picking out weird things like that. We were talking about the, the idea of the, the archaeological approach to um, revealing things, uh, the marks <coughs> on buildings and things um, similar to that. Mapping all this stuff, bring it into one place, uh, work with lots of groups to explore it. The other thing is to try and do a bit of social media and heritage uh, around what is going on in the community, but not me necessarily make it, you make it. Do some workshops with people to tell people how to do this kind of filming thing. Um, we've got a Periscope today, we've got, uh, there's lots of podcasts and things that people were mentioning. So um, part of what I'm doing as part of my practice-based PhD is to teach people how to do that and to get them to tell the stories that are currently untold about an area. So that's coming into academics love studying that sort of thing. There's a thing called participatory video and digital ethnography. So it's looking at how you'd explore heritage through non-traditional means and getting people, getting a different audience maybe, but also helping those who do know a bit about the area explore it in a slightly different way. So putting on, for example, videos that if somebody's made, putting it in a museum so that people go and visit the museum can see it, but also people that look at it online, you can pass it on through different contacts and things like that. So basically, heritage through camera phones, um, telling the story of a place using new technology. So that's sort of the several parts of my PhD, a practice-based PhD, bringing all that together, um, which I'm really excited about. So it's nice to be able to tell it to a different audience and tell you all about the crazy things in Paisley, like full-size walruses. Um, and if anybody wants to do some podcasts later about what they think are hidden heritage, please do, and I will pass them on and we can talk about it. So that is kind of most of the things I'd like to tell you today, but if anybody's got any questions, let me know.
This show is produced by Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.